0: Transforming men in Christ as priest, prophet, and king. Stick around. Let's talk about it. Houston, we have a problem. Podcasting from a parking lot in the Woodlands, Texas, it's The Catholic Hack with Joe McLean.
1: Take this. All of you. Indeed, indeed. This is my body, which will be given up for you.
0: 1 Peter 3.15 Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. Take this, all of you, all
1: of you and drink from it. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. It will be shed for you and for all, so that sins may be forgiven.
0: The Church of the Living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. First Timothy 3.15
2: Do this in memory. Of...
0: Welcome back to the Catholic Hack. I'm Joe McLean, and this is episode number 63. And today, I'm going to introduce you to Father Philip Chavez. He is a priest at the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, and we're going to start our discussion with Father Chavez and talk about his ministry. So I'm very much looking forward to sharing that with you. I've got a lot to share. I've took, I took the last couple of weeks off. There's been so much going on coming back from the Catholic New Media celebration out there in Atlanta, Georgia, a couple of weeks ago. Been some trials and some tests over the last couple of weeks, too, and I've asked many of you to pray for me, and you have done so, and I can't thank you enough for that. So, why don't we get started by saying a prayer? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, all glorious and wonderful God, I pray and beg mercy. I beg mercy, O Holy Jesus, upon me upon my family, and upon the listeners of this podcast. And I lift them all up to you, and I praise you for them. And I ask for your Holy Spirit to descend upon them and to take possession of them, to fill their hearts full of joy and peace, to encourage us and to give us the charism we need to evangelize the world. I pray for all those who struggle in marriage, I pray that men can stand up and become men of God and take seriously their vocations. And let me be the first to, to beg you for that charism, that I might be the man that you created to be me to be in my own home, that I might be the husband, the father, the leader and guide to take my family and show them the way to heaven. Let me lead by example. Where there is hatred, let me bring peace. O Holy Father, I lift up all who bear crosses in your name, crosses of debilitation, crosses of disease, crosses of handicap, all those who, who go through life struggling far greater than I do. And I pray that you strengthen these people And I pray that you encourage them to unite their suffering with yours on the cross and that they offer up that suffering that others might have grace, that others might encounter the Holy Spirit and encounter conversion. Especially parents with children who struggle through these issues daily. Oh Heavenly Father, I thank you for having such strong people in our lives to give us witness. But I ask that you encourage them, that you encourage them in their faith and in their walk. And I thank you for caring for such dear souls. I thank you and I pray that you will bless the new baby of Roland, a listener of this podcast in San Antonio. I pray that you bless that child abundantly. That child will grow up and he will become a man of God to serve you, and to make you proud. And I thank you for all the listeners of this podcast, and once again, I beg your mercy upon them. And I want to ask the intercession of our blessed lady for each and every one of us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. All right, we have a great show to get into here. We've got a lot of material to cover. I can't wait to share Father Philip Chavez with you, but before we do that, we're going to get back to Breaking the Bread with Dr. Scott Hahn.
2: The Bible speaks of Moses as a great hero, and it's hard to imagine one greater. Moses was meek, yet firm, close to God, yet caring toward his people. This week's Gospel tells us that God has sent someone quite like Moses, but far greater. Jesus. Find out more next on Breaking the Bread. Jesus is portrayed in this Sunday's gospel as a new and greater Moses. The Bible tells us that Moses was the meekest man on earth. He was the friend of God. Only he knew God face to face And Moses gave Israel the yoke of the law through which God revealed himself and how we are to live. Jesus, too, is meek and humble, but he's more than God's friend. He is the eternal Son who alone knows the Father. He's also more than a lawgiver, presenting himself today as the yoke of a new law and as the revealed wisdom of God. Jesus was present before creation as the eternal wisdom of God, the firstborn Son, who is the Lord of heaven and earth and he gives knowledge of the holy things of the kingdom of God. In the gracious will of the Father, Jesus reveals these things, but only to the childlike, those who humble themselves before him as little children. These alone can recognize and receive him as the just Savior and meek King promised to daughter Zion in this Sunday's first reading. We too are called to childlike faith in the Father's goodness, as sons and daughters of the Most High, called to form a new kingdom in the church. We are to live by the power of the Spirit that we received in baptism, putting to death our old ways of thinking and acting, just as Paul exhorts us in this Sunday's epistle. Our yoke is to be His new law of love by which we enter into the rest of His kingdom. As we sing in this Sunday's psalm, we joyfully await the day when we will praise His name forever in the kingdom that lasts for all ages. This is the eternal Sabbath promised by Jesus, first anticipated by Moses but which still awaits the people of God. This is Scott Hahn for Breaking the Bread. Breaking the Bread is a production of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. If you'd like to receive written copies of Dr. Hahn's reflections on the Sunday Mass readings, you can contact us by email at staff at salvationhistory.com or call us at 740-264-9535. That's 740-264-9535.
0: As many of you know, Father Philip Chavez is my spiritual director. He is a man who is focused on men's ministries. And he is at the, at the leading edge of this new movement in the American Catholic Church for sure. But he he is such an insight into masculine spirituality that it is a real blessing to be involved in his ministry in the in the humblest way that I am already. But he has created the Amator Institute. Amator is Latin, meaning he who loves. And how fitting that is when you're speaking of true masculine spirituality molded after Christ and focusing on these three aspects of Christ priest, prophet, and king, and how we as men can find our true calling in that modality. So without further ado, let's roll up our sleeves. And let's dive deep and get into the truth about masculine spirituality with Father Philip Chavez. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I
2: want the truth. You can't handle the truth. This school when I sit,
0: even just a little bit. I get hit with the power that made the veil in the temple split. When I submit, fall on the floor and the door. Can't get enough that to come back to some
2: Hey, we've got a problem here benefit in this school, your pending commitment, Roger that. as rises up in adoration of the throne, something happens to my wounded heart from all the love reviewed and shown, right as the comes to my head to persist, The change and sustain the way I think it exists, to feel the bliss, because my name is in the book of life's list, that's what happens when you sit in the school of the Eucharist. Mr. Hammett, take her down, make your death one five zero feet, ten degree down bubble. One five zero feet, ten degree down bubble. Aye, sir.
0: Dive, dive, dive. Welcome back to the Catholic Hack. I'm Joe McLean, and today my special guest is Father Philip Chavez. Father Philip is a priest of the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, the same congregation of Father John Carapi. While he has engaged in parish work in the US, Canada, and Italy since his ordination in nineteen ninety three, he's also been involved in pro life work and has diligently applied himself to concerns of marriage and family. Holding graduate degrees in theology, philosophy, and marriage and family studies, Father Chavez has culminated his studies with a doctorate in Rome, graduating summa cum laude. Presently, he is working to establish a men's institute, wherein he addresses the key issues of men and their concerns, as well as producing resources for their character formation and integration. Father Chavez has spoken throughout the U.S. on these topics while networking with men's groups in various states. Also, he is currently collaborating with the Knights of Columbus, offering workshops for their members on the vision of the spirit of their founder, Father Michael McGivney. St. Joseph's Communication has also published a number of his recordings. Father Philip, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Joe. It's good to be here.
0: Well, Father, you're the first, first uh Ordained religious that I've ever had on the podcast. I've never had clergy on before, so this is That's quite it. an honor to uh, to be able to have you know uh, you in particular, but you know someone with a vocation here on this podcast. So so thank you so much for taking the time to uh, well, to be on this podcast. Though. Sure. The first time I encountered you, Father, was through the Kingsman Apostolate uh, through right. Mark Howe and Damian Wargo up there in Pennsylvania when. Through their podcast, which is actually their radio show, uh, I've got to got to meet you for the first time just through listening to your interview on there, and uh, I was quite inspired not only by their work but by your your message as well. So it's been quite a yeah. blessing to be able to get to know you and, and and listen to your talks and to your your homilies. They they truly inspire me. I'm I'm the kind of uh, man who who resonates with the message that you're putting out there. So anything right. i can do to support that then i'm fully on board and i really feel that the listeners of this podcast will also get a great deal of benefit listening to your message so very excited about today and having this opportunity to speak with you i would really love to get started by hearing a bit about your your call to to the priesthood um, you know when did you hear this call did you really uh, know that you were Destined for for the priesthood, or was this uh, was this uh, something that developed over time? I'd love to hear that story.
1: Well, actually, um, like a lot of good Catholic boys, I served at the altar since I was about nine or ten years of age, and um, it was something I was always open to, but I never um, never took any real step toward it or felt any impulse toward actually becoming a priest until I was about 24. I was finished with college. I was actually in photography school and, and quasi engaged. And um, I heard this calling, uh, visiting a monastery, and it was deep and it was profound. Mm. So, you know, I don't have a dramatic discernment story, but it was something (laughs) like St. Paul. I was hit hard. I was hit very hard by the Spirit, and something moved me very profoundly from within. Now, of course, that got tested later through various trials, but, Mm. um, yeah, that that deep sense of, of wanting to serve in this capacity and laying it all down, you know, through... Through service to others in the sacraments and um, very I, w- I guess I was inspired at the time um, to see as I was looking toward marriage to see that, that a self-offering for the, for the sake of many other families, you know, I could, I could effectively bring about much good for many instead of just my own family. And, um, you know, so, so I've certainly that's been borne out in my own priesthood where the rewards have been incredible. Really, just uh, helping and serving other families, not just sacramentally but in their other needs and capacities, and as you know now, through the, the helping men with a masculine journey i mean it's it's deeply fulfilling it's deeply fatherly mm. and um, so those inspirations that I received right when I got or da- or excuse me right when I heard this call um, have stayed with me and so far as always being inspired by knowing that I'll, that I'm in a position to really contribute to the good of the church and the building of the family, which as you know is in desperate need today.
0: Hmm, wow. So w- why the religious life? Why not uh, the standard, uh, you know, diocesan priests? W- what made you decide to go there?
1: Well, um, in the Society of Our Lady and the Most Holy Trinity, I was inspired to join based upon a, really a priest that I met. Actually, he was the uh, chaplain for the El Toro Marine Base, which is now closed, El Toro Tustin Marine Base in Southern California. In any case, I, heard, I met the founder, actually, and as I heard more about the Society, the Society has the society of Our Lady has as um, one of its tenets to really try to find the gift areas of our candidates and move them into specialized ministry. The idea being the Spirit gives gifts um, to various individuals, and those gifts should be brought to fruition for the good of the Church. That's why the Spirit gives them. So the founder, amongst other things, is start a missionary society for which specialized um, needs would be met in the Church, it also be a way of realizing the gifts of certain candidates who feel called, not just the spirituality order, but um, who seem, as the society discerns, my spheres discern, have a special call to a special work. And so, I don't know, it was just maybe that personal approach, you know, the very uh, intimate approach in mm-hmm. terms of looking at the candidates. And I, I thought that was very attractive.
0: How big is this, this society?
1: Well, we're about a hundred and sixty plus priests. Wow. There's um, I think about eighty professed religious sisters and of course we have a branch for lay faithful as well who take uh, professions under various levels. Mm. So, um yeah, it was the idea of the founder of the or to try to get um, uh some kind of congregation where we'd have affiliates, you know, uh, representing all the states of life. Mm. So the the lay people and the religious sisters would be joined to the priests as much as possible in
0: a in a complete outreach the um catholic ministry that i work full-time for fullness of truth works very closely with this society down in Robstown, texas we uh, we put on a a catholic conference in corpus christi every year and uh, we work very closely many of the um the priests uh, come over and hear confessions for us they uh they they serve in a various number of uh of capacities for us so it's been a blessing to in fact when i was interviewing for this job uh, i flew down there to meet some of the board members they took me to adoration during my interview at the um the brand new adoration chapel there in robstown for the um society of the most Great. holy trinity it was it was really a quite amazing uh, experience to um Very good. you know to to encounter that so so what a blessing father so it's a to be hit with a call of vocation and, and to respond to that. I guess that takes some courage, doesn't it?
1: Well, it, it does so far as you don't know how uh, others are going to receive this. I mean, I guess some people actually saw the uh, the calling in me. I mean, I was in a youth group years back, too, when I was about an 18-, 19-year-old kid, and, you know, I was nicknamed Father Phil. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, people saw this early on, something that I didn't see or feel or perceive in any way. But, um but you know, some received it well. Others it was a bit challenging. And um, yeah, I guess that was the biggest part. How would others receive this?
0: Mm. All right. So you're a priest. You you do you, you continue your education immediately? Did you know that you were going to go into not only you know marriage and family, but more specifically to this this call to uh, to build men up in true masculine spirituality?
1: Well, when I first entered the society, and after actually after some time the founder of the order who worked with me personally thought I should be teaching in a seminary or university and so in some way he was preparing me for that. Now the, what he also encouraged me to do is I was doing at the time in the seminary I was actually the head of the Seminaries for Life International newsletter I was the editor. It was a newsletter that went out to over hundred countries in um, uh, English and Spanish and um, it was through that experience it got me into involved in some of the deeper life issues which turned into paying attention more to those family issues from which are uh... we should you know the genesis of these mm. life concerns really start and of course even when it considers when family issues are considered oftentimes the source of those ills are often found in the paternity or what i would often say lack of masculine identity in the men so i guess that's somewhat of the progression by which i started out um, in the, yeah, in the seminary thinking about teaching uh, my spirit is considering me teaching the university, than just working slowly and surely, um, teaching about family things, family matters.
0: Father, you know, I had l- listened to your the talk you gave recently uh, at the Cincinnati Men's Conference, and oh, good. you know, and when I listen to this talk, I, I hear a, a lot of the same, um, the same messages that I try to share in my own personal struggles and journeys, and the things that resonate with me, in that in our church today there's just a non-existence uh, of men in active you know parish life you know right. DREs are tend to be all females not that there's anything wrong with female DREs but where are the men you know all ministries right. are managed by all women the parishes are are administrated by almost all women not in every case but the vast majority of cases and so right. if, if you know and there's a there's a problem there and it, look at I mean there's just so many women who are probably attending Mass without their husbands on Sunday, you know, taking their, their kids to Mass and their, and their, their husbands aren't showing up. What, what's gone, what's gone, gone on here, Father? Where are the men?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, we know that, yes, the Father is the leader of the home, and that also um, concerns spiritual matters as well. You know, the mother is the inspiration, but the Father really should be the leader. In fact, it's interesting, according to statistics, I think about 75-plus percent of all those in the family eventually go the way of the father. Whatever he believes, whatever he uh, holds to, um, usually the children, eventually at the end of their um, at the excuse me at the you know, at the end of their youth, they eventually go the way of the father, whatever he chooses. So it is a grave concern. There's um I think a number of dynamics happening here. I think I think what's happened too in light of the church wanting to reach out more, um into uh, the community in terms of getting more people involved, um, I guess the church thinking that women have been marginalized in the past. Many priests have, you know, taken measures to try to see to try to incorporate them into the life of the church. Mm-hmm. Now that incorporation, um, I think, indeed has become a little more stronger than it perhaps should have, at least in terms of of ministries. I mean, over 80% of ministries are led by women, and so. Men indeed aren't participating, and that is a concern. One of the difficulties I've seen too that's really caused a lot of the problems is that the men's um, fraternity societies—sometimes they'd even be called sodalities—used um, to be numerous in the early um, early years of the church, at least mm-hmm. early part of last century. And um, there used to be programs for boys: cyao the policeman's Athletic League other organizations that used to reach out to boys, and there used to be more parochial programs, sports programs for boys. Well, these things have disappeared. Mm. And the difficulty is, too, um, what happens even at the altar. Um, if, if the girls start to take too much of a role, the boys bail out. And I think we've seen a lot of that. And unfortunately, in a lot of the parishes where we incorporate altar girls, what we haven't done is given the boys alternatives um, by which there could exist other groups by which they could join so they can feel what it is to be part of boyhood, you know, to be accepted mm-hmm. in the in a band of brothers in a pack. And so this is what I think all pastors need to be very conscientious of, that there need to be exclusively boys groups in parishes. Now well, some can argue um there may need to be girls groups too. Well that's fine, but it's there's something about boys where they need concerted outreach, concerted attention, concerted mentoring. And in, in such a way, women don't need that. You know, women have instincts of participation, especially in spiritual matters, so mm-hmm. you, don't have to, you don't have to lead them there so concertedly like you do men. But men, especially boys, like to be gathered in all boys, all men's kinds of groups. And if they don't get that, um, they eventually wane away from church life. So that is a serious concern, and I think that's what's touching vocations. And, and the difficulty is priests, too, are, are engaged in many things now, and they're, they're quite occupied. And it's unfortunate, like in the image of Christ, that they aren't reaching out to men who they take to themselves as their own disciples. Uh, once I saw this in my own priesthood, uh, you know, my priesthood became more alive. The more I started reaching the hearts and souls of men and mentoring them and leading forth and creating apostles out of them, uh, priests need to be more conservatively reaching out to men. They just need a lot of help. More help than women. Uh, Women have roles and capacities and um, gifts for which they don't need to be summoned so much by the priest. They they willingly participate. But men, not so much so. They need the priest to reach out to them, they need the priest to invite them, they need the priest to challenge them. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, uh, when I was just this last Holy Week, when I was um, at a parish, um, there was a young man, um, just under 30 who felt himself floundering, uh, thinking about religious life, but just didn't know where to turn. I said, son, I will guide you. I will take you where you need to go. I'll help you find the answer to your life's concerns. He said, father, I'm on board. Hmm. So, I mean, the boys, the men, they're looking for invitations, but they're looking for strong invitations. Hmm. You know, they're looking for that strong leader. They're looking for a William Wallace or George Washington or just a powerful figure. We'll call them forth to something as something challenging something daring something audacious but something too which uh, gives a genuine contribution to the common good and so if men don't feel these things it's going to be otherwise hard to gather their interests
0: mm-hmm. at least that's
1: my perspective anyways
0: you know and that's a message you you've said in your talks that uh, men need to be called by other men right men, men need to to be called by other men and and again we're not we're not degrading women in any way by saying, you know, look at all these women running things. No, that's not it. It's great that women step exactly. up, but it's it's extremely tragic that men don't.
1: <laughs> when they get displaced in the in the whole um, arena there. Yes, it is. You're right.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and it's so true that men resonate with that strong character. You know, right. I mean, we just, it just in basic human nature, we look at the, the candidates running for, for president today and when they're up there Uh, giving a strong speech they get a strong reaction you know and and it's the same thing I think in me personally you know when I was watching Braveheart and William Wallace is giving that speech you know when you're lying in your bed will you not trade every day from this day till that for one chance to come back here and kill the British (laughs) you know I wanted to run out on the battlefield (laughs) exactly that's that's exactly what men need we need men to stand up, willing to pick up their cross and and charge Calvary. You know we need to right. take the hill and 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 that's why your message really resonates with me, but you know I just it boggles my mind where, where did we where did men go wrong? how long has has this been the case? for our faith, Father. Do we have any concept of how far back we go? I mean, is it well, several generations, I, I, several hundred years that, that men have just started to, to flounder and fall away? Well, that that can be a
1: very involved question. I think it really starts at least in, the, in, in noticeable areas during the Industrial Revolution where men um, became, went into factories. They didn't have those... Um, uh, the particular skills of using their hands and crafting. And they were taken out of the farms and whatnot um, into the industrial age, uh, leaving various skills behind them, therefore not mentoring um, other boys and other men. And so, where a man, when he, you know, in the pioneering days of America, he carved out something for himself, he built something for himself. There were many things which he exercised to gather that identity, and he needed his sons to support him. But when he went into the factories he lost much of that and just became a cog in the wheel, you know? Mm. And um didn't see much of his individual contribution, therefore lost much of his masculine identity. But something happened too, Joe, I think, and we go into some genesis of other concerns there where men seem to be displaced and certainly again, not only were they uh not losing their, their um their aptitudes and abilities being exercised in various skills. But um, certain leadership positions were taken over for them. Um, you know, the women started entering the universities, which is good, but um a man finds himself so much in a, in an ambient now where he has to interact with women where sometimes for some it's very, very difficult to do that. Yeah. And they find themselves struggling, um, trying to find their place and learning how to work with women, which some men don't know how to very easily and they find themselves in very sensitive positions they find themselves, they're moralized or compromised, oftentimes as well. Um, But what I wanted to mention, too, in this emasculating um, kind of ambient, what happened, I think, um, we started to project a kind of image of Christ maybe in the early part of the 19th century. Um, The the Christ that was the meek and humble lamb, Mm. the gentle Christ, the compassionate Christ, and um, maybe that was in reaction to a Christ that was maybe too rigid or too harsh, I don't know, or, or, um, or, or one who seems somewhat authoritarian. I don't understand that genesis, but I do understand that, that what happened is we took upon an understanding in our culture of Christ being a gentle, compassionate, meek Jesus. Now, um, you know, we move into extremes. Oftentimes one extreme moves into the other in cultures on various levels the difficulty is we moved very far into this gentle and compassionate christ mm. what happened is we lost the christ who's the warrior who's the fighter right. you know who was the one who chased um... the money changers out of the <laughs> temple right. the one who stood up strongly in front of the pharisees and the sadducees right. the fighter the vigorous defender of woman So, what happened here when we looked at the lamp so much we forgot about the lion mm. and a man must be both Something he, something he must be one or the other, or somewhat in between that. No, not at all. We as men aren't between a lamb and a lion, or just a lion or a lamb. We're both. Right. And a man has part of his character which must be at sometimes steel and other times velvet. Sometimes he must be hard and stern and determined. Other times he must be soft, compassionate, and deferential to others, maybe those who are weaker or whatnot. And so both of these elements must be in the man, and this is what men want to see. Men want to see this in their priests. Uh, they want to see certainly somebody reaches out compassionately, but they want to see the lion. They want to see the leader. They want to see the fierce warrior. Mm-hmm. And um, again, you know, it's not one to the exclusion of the other. It's um, both at the same time. I think that was critical in men losing some of their interest in their identity. And so men think. To answer your question, in in the Christian journey, to be a Christian is just to be a nice, good man, to be moral, to be uh, upright, to be prayerful, but to be gentle and meek, just like Christ. Well, that kind of image doesn't reach the hearts of many men. You know, it right. it's it's part of the picture. But, if you know yourself, you're looking for the warrior to Christ, you know the the fighter who's audacious, who you can admire, that takes you out to the battles of your heart, the battles of the common good in society, right. you know the battles are just making a difference, and that's what men want to do. But to make that difference, men really need uh, great leaders to take them out. Their leaders are fierce, who are willing to take a hit, who are willing to suffer, who are willing to lay down their lives, uh, you know unto their unto their own, you
0: know, blood. Oh, absolutely. You know, when I encountered this warrior king, this this priest, you know, in Jesus Christ, was so when I started to compare, you know, Genesis chapter 3 with the passion and, you know, Peter. in the garden Adam is is quiet. He says nothing. He's a coward. He lets his right. wife deal with Nahash all by herself. And then yeah. in a garden, Christ Jesus is confronted with a cohort, hundreds of people armed, coming out against him. Does he hide in a bush like Adam? No. He he goes to them and says, "Who are you looking for?" You know, Jesus Nazareth. Well, that's me. Come get me. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. he 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 faces them head on. He is courageous. Right. You know, he he's marching on Calvary. He's not being dragged right. there like some you know helpless servant. No one takes his life. He lays it down willingly. That's a warrior. That's a man, a man's man. You know, that's not the meek and humble, you know, emaciated, you know, corpus. That's, that's a man charging a hill and he's leading an army like a, like a, like a king and not, you know, it's, it's, so that's, right. that's when I first encountered him, and that's when, you know, my perspective started to change on that. I yeah.
1: think you're right. Yeah, we're, we're oftentimes afraid of what others perceive as a weakness in us. Right. And this is why priests need to take men under their wing and to teach them and guide them in the spiritual life, teach them how to pray in a masculine way, mm. teach them how to make a confession in a masculine way, um, teach them how to reach out to others as men. Um, you know, banding together in projects also for the good of the church, the common parish. Um, but yes, I mean, I think if um, if priests were were working with men more and summoning men more and mm-hmm. training them on, on things of of the spiritual life, and of course what I'm trying to do on their own masculine identity, right. I think you would find very vibrant men again in the church who would really want to take part and who would become leaders in their community and in their homes
0: again. You know, that's another thing that you, you mentioned in your talks about vocations. You know, if we just, you know, I think men, boys would step up. They would see something more attractive if it was had that more masculine approach to it.
1: I think so, and, and what usually happens in, in the more successful parishes, you find the priests are very involved in some kind of boys' activity. Mm. You know, they're playing the sports with the boys, um, you know they used to, and there's some parishes where they used to box with the boys. I know one parish in New Jersey where the boys have a fencing club, mm-hmm. and um, these things are encouraged in the church, and that attracts boys. But what attracts them is the fact that there's, again, there's these men lead, you know, reaching down to lead them, to engage with them. You know, most. Uh, young men and, and even older men you know they're they're dying for these older men to engage them in their lives yeah. to engage them in, in where their hearts are at, engage them in, in their worries and fears and in their their own projects of life. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where men need a lot of they need a lot of concerted attention by older men, but when they get that from the priest, that attracts them to the priesthood i mean that's a natural way of leading men in to want to become those who they admire. And that's how uh, we did get many vocations in the past, but priests were very active with, with boys and young adult men.
0: We
2: news and views. Where are you now? I'm sitting in my office. I doubt that. Why would you doubt that? If you were in your office right now, we'd be having this conversation face-to-face.
0: Stick around. Coming up on the next episode will be the conclusion the wrap-up of our conversation with Father Philip. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. I know I have. I really enjoy talking with Father Philip and sharing his ministry with with as many people as I can because it's so critical that men really take possession of their spirituality and really refocus ourselves in the proper mode, the priest, prophet, and king. And we're going to talk more about that coming up next. So so stick around and look for that. I'm sitting outside. It's a Sunday evening, and... uh, the stars are out, the moon is out, the mosquitoes are out, and so are all the other creatures. So if you hear any noise in the background, well, you you now know what's going on. But I've took I took the last couple of weeks off of uh, from podcasting because there was just been so much kind of going on, a lot of craziness, and um, also a lot of negativity too, personally and. In our family, it's been a trying time, and I've asked many of you to pray. Many of you have, and I cannot thank you enough for that. Those prayers have really, really helped us, helped us out in a in a big way. My family and I have really enjoyed our Fourth of July weekend, and uh, you know we're leading into my birthday, which is coming up tomorrow, actually the seventh of July. So, pray for me now that I'm getting much, much older. So, <laughs> anyway. But uh, yes, we had a peaceful week and really enjoyed that. But it's so critical, especially as we, we talk about men's ministry, as a man, to refocus my efforts to being peace, to really being peace in the home, to being the man who leads his family towards God and not away. And, you know, being in the podcasting circles and uh, evangelization ministry, it's so important that we take time to refocus ourselves. Uh, Because the devil is not going to sit around and wait. You know, he's going to attack us constantly. And I've really felt that over the last couple of weeks. So, stepped back from podcasting for a couple of weeks and uh, worked through some of that, really prayed and offered up some sacrificing and some fasting and all of that. And it's really, you know, proven to be a very fruitful endeavor for us. So, please continue to pray for my family. And I've got so much to share with you from the. Catholic New Media Celebration in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. It was a great time. I really got to meet a lot of folks uh, for the first time that I uh, always knew knew of, spoke to many times maybe over the phone or in podcasting and those kinds of things, but never really got to meet in person. So that was a wonderful gift. Got to meet a lot of listeners. I was so, ex- you know, so thrilled to sit and talk to people who, who have listened to the show and and really get their feedback and insight into what's going on in their lives and and listening to the aptitudes that God has revealed to them and seeing the excitement from them about how they can start to use these aptitudes for God's glory in the podcasting, blogging world. A lot of fruit came out of that uh, celebration. And also, it was a very powerful networking opportunity. Uh, Really got to meet some really uh, great people in in the Catholic industry, so to speak, Catholic Exchange and uh, my uh, mycatholicvoice and there's just so many. Uh, I got to meet uh, Mark Shea and Lena Rulli and Steve Ray showed up. I think many of you have listened to the the Catholic Social Hour. That was such fun. I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed that. I was so blessed to have so many people show up to that. It really was a gift. So if you haven't listened to that, it's an hour long, but I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll get a sense of um, the kind of night we had. We really, really did enjoy that very much, but got to um, really have a great opportunity to meet folks, to socialize, to share, and it was a real blessing in that regard. Some of the other fruit that's come up in my life in the last couple of weeks uh, for certain, are the the Saint Ignatius audio series? You know, has gotten a lot of attention uh, and a lot of downloads, and, and many of you have donated. I cannot begin to thank you enough for those donations. Um, it really has meant a lot to me to see people wanting to invest in this project, wanting to see it take off. Um, we're sort of weighing what what's the next step. The goal here quite clearly is to get onto CDs for distribution. Not so that I can make any money. Let's be clear. I don't really want to make any money off this. That's not my goal. My goal is that people will encounter and hear these early Christian writings. These gems of our faith that most people don't even know exist let alone have ever read them and maybe now they can hear them and encounter them in a living way uh, for the first time and let it really rich enrich and, and liven up their faith. And I, I really pray and hope that a lot of non-Catholics will discover this material for the first time. And, you know, maybe they're too intimidated to read, but maybe they'll listen. You know, maybe somebody, maybe you can give them a CD of this material and as part of the evangelization outreach that you do every day and say, Here, listen to this and let me know what you think about that. That's my goal. That's what I want to see happen with this. And I honestly feel that it has to be on CDs to make this uh, make this a, a worthy endeavor. And so to do that, you know, honestly, it's going to take money, Um I haven't found anybody yet willing to just sort of bankroll the whole project so it's going to require a little bit of capital and so many of you have invested and I sincerely appreciate that. We still have a uh, little bit way to go there. Um, right now we're sitting at about $500 uh, in donations. And I uh, probably need about $1,500 to make it a worthy endeavor uh, as far as packaging and uh, maybe the first thousand copies. Then I can market it through a Catholic company. But again, my goal is not to make any money. I really don't want to make any money. What I need is somebody who... Um, a company who can you know market the material as well as uh, do order fulfillment because I'm not really set up for that so that's why my goal is to get it onto CDs first and then market it through Catholic Company. Uh great organization like that can do the order fulfillment. So we're really hoping um, to see that to fruition. So if you haven't done so please check out the St. Ignatius audio project by going to my blog at ww.catholichack.com and you will see the banner at the very top. Just click on that and you can go through the process of downloading that. Either in ACC format with chapter markers or in mp3 format I wanted to make that nice and easy for you let me know what you think I would love to hear your feedback on that project I know many people have downloaded it now across the world and uh, it's been a real blessing that way so please uh, let me know what you think about that also I've been invited to co-host a new audio program for the National Fellowship of Catholic Men it's going to be a a new channel that will launch in August and uh, me and Mark Hauk from the Kingsmen who was also a guest on the show are going to we're going to co-host that show. It's going to be uh, a men's ministry focused on conversion stories. So please look forward to that. I'll, I'll provide more information there. We have lots of things coming up, uh, such as the Houston Men's Day of Prayer. It's the Houston men's conference coming up July 19th at the Catholic Charismatic Center in downtown Houston. We're going to have Father Philip Chavez as one of the keynote speakers. We're going to have Danny Abramowitz, who is a, an ex-NFL uh, football player who is big in, in men's uh, ministry these days. He's also got a new and exciting project coming up at EWTN, but I hope to get him on the show and, and talk about that very soon. Uh, Cardinal Donardo will be saying Mass for us. It starts at 8 a.m. and goes to 1, uh, 1 p.m. in the afternoon. So I'm very much excited about this opportunity, this day of men getting together in fellowship and in prayer and and hoping that we can focus our lives and becoming the man that God has created us to be and if we lock arms as men and encourage each other then this can be a real possible opportunity for conversion in our own lives in the lives of others in our community and we can reclaim our society for God now that sounds you know lofty and nice But the reality is if men get up the courage to take action, then things can happen. And it only takes another man tapping you on the shoulder to say, Look, I need you to come with me on July 19th to the men's conference in Houston or to the men's conference in Boston or Cincinnati or St. Louis or any other number of these conferences that are popping up around the country. This is an opportunity for men to take action, to take the attitudes that God has given them and apply them in a very positive direction. And many of you men know what I mean by that. So I uh, would love to see you there. If you are anywhere near the Houston area, please come. Let me know if you can come. Come and see me that day. would really be honored with your presence. I got feedback in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Cue feedback. So it's Sean,
1: the duct tape guy, calling. Thank you for posting your wonderful interviews from the Catholic Social Hour at the Catholic New Media Celebration. It made me feel like I was there, even though I was 3,000 miles away in Kingston, doing the same thing at Podcasters Across Borders. It was really good to hear all the people who were there and to hear the connections that were being made. Thanks thanks again for doing that. Bye-bye.
0: Sean, thank you so much for giving me a call and providing that feedback. I wish I could have been with you. I would have loved to have experienced that podcasting across borders. That must have been pretty cool. I'd love to hear more about that. Just this week, I was listening to the Vocations cast with Mark Smith, who I got to meet in Atlanta, which was a, a wonderful opportunity. really enjoyed meeting him. I love the Vocations cast. If you have not listened to it, please do so. Vocations cast, you can, you can get that off of iTunes, and I'll also provide a link on the show notes. But uh, Sean wrote a whole song and actually played it with his guitar and sent it to Mark. And Mark played it on the Vocations cast this last week. It was a real joy, so be sure to check that out on the Vocations cast. A couple of other things that are coming up this week that I want to share with you is I will be a guest on Finding Your Keys with Josh LeBlanc from the Catholic Underground. I hope to uh, share more about podcasting and evangelization work and, and our passion for typology and covenant theology that we share. We're big fans of Dr. Scott Hahn and especially his book A Father Who Keeps His Promises, so we hope to have a good conversation about that. Also, the folks at Catholic Underground have put up a streaming server so we can listen to a whole bunch of episodes. Instead of having to download them, you can actually set this up like a radio station right over the internet and listen to all your favorite Catholic Underground episodes and Catholic Hack episodes. And soon we're going to be adding more content to that and you can get to that and listen to that off of my blog, www.catholichhack.com. Look at the top there and you'll see a link for the stream. the Catholic Underground Podcasting Network. Please do check that out. It's in its infancy, early stages, but we feel very passionate about this as being the next great thing that podcasters can do to reach more and more folks and to use this technology for God's glory and to share with you all of our content. Well, I kind of need your help. looks like iTunes is on the fritz again because my standings on iTunes store have fallen all the way from almost reaching the front first page of the, the Christian podcast feature list down to page three. I, I don't get what causes that, but at any rate could use a lot of uh, uh, subscriptions on iTunes and some feedback. Posting a review of my show will greatly help me to grow in the standings there. And, as I've said many times before, we really want to make it to page one. I think that's pretty important that we see more and more Catholic podcasts reach that page one goal. I want to fill that up with Catholic podcasts. So please stop by on my blog today, www.catholichack.com, Leave a review, send me your feedback by voicemail, or go on to iTunes and leave a review there. Either way, it really, really helps me out. You can also check out the St. Ignatius audio series off the banner at the top of the page there. And you can also pick up a Catholic Hack t-shirt. Just click on the picture of the t-shirt on the website, and that'll take you to the store where you can pick up a Catholic Hack t-shirt or mug. If you do, I need to see pictures. It's a requirement. That's just how these things work. Many of you have not sent me pictures yet. I got to tell you, don't make me hunt you down. I will find you. just kidding. Still, I would love to see you. Well, until next time, I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. May God richly
2: bless you. God bless. SQPN, the best in Catholic podcasting.